What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, What's Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Stallion, to be financially free, you have to have more passive income than monthly expenses. True? 100%. Does that mean you need to be in a business? Not necessarily, but it very, very likely will become that. I'm going to disagree with you here. Okay. Uh, that's not shocking to me. Uh, do you not think that having all those short-term rental units that we have, that's not a business? Oh, no, it is. 100%. How about if I had, like, Tao Simpson that was on our show had 50, 60, 70 uh, rental units? Is that a business? Yes. How about the uh, Daniel Espy who started his own e-commerce space and is selling luxury sheets. Is that a business? It is. I mean, I could keep going. I do. I'm sure there was an example that you were going to share with me that wasn't a business. I mean, let's just assume that the, it was okay. I, I, I'll, I'll go with it. <laughs> well, here's the point <laughs> of my statement there. I, the reason I asked that question is if, if we're going to be financially free, that means we're going to have to create businesses, no matter what shape or form. It doesn't mean I have to start a brick and mortar, right? That's right. It could be digital. It could be virtual. But they're all businesses. And if we're going to operate, as Robert Kiyosaki says, in that B quadrant, that yes. quadrant where we get to oversee the business but not operate the business, then we need to have key employees. That's when it becomes passive. Well, if you have key employees, is there reasons that we need to ensure that they stay? Absolutely. If we have key employees, is there reasons for us to insure them in the event that they were to die or something were to happen to them that we would be able to replace them? Absolutely. Does, and, and by the way, it also many cases will turn into partnerships. Is there is there a reason for us to have the cash of the business reside in a place that earns interest and is avoidant of taxation and creditors? Always. Okay, so today's episode, Joey, sounds like it's going to be good for anyone who's trying to be financially free and ultimately will create businesses and we'll, we'll know how to do that. I'm with you. All right. Well, I give up. I, I give up. You're right. I'm saying it. I'm saying it publicly. Perfect. I love it. Let's belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the IBC Roundtable, where each week we go deeper into your favorite subject, the infinite banking concept. I am Russ, the Idea Guy Morgan. I'm sitting with the best coaches in the infinite banking nation. To my right, my partner, the man that we like to refer to as the Italian stallion. He's got the license plate cover to prove it, Mr. Joey Murray. What's up, Joey? Hey, hey, glad to be here. Today, you and I are going to be talking about 
how we've bombed infinite banking policies on key people and business partners. What's the first thought that comes to mind? Man, I, I'm, I'm excited to share. I think there's a lot of good questions that come around this topic. And um, I think we can, we can kind of demystify it a little bit. I'm thinking, how many more people can we buy insurance policies on? That's the first thought that comes to mind. How many businesses can we start? I'm just thinking about how these coaches are such key people. Uh, we're going to have a conversation at the end of this meeting. Yeah, we're, we're going to need to send a nurse by your house. All right. First up, <laughs> we got downtown Ernie Brown. How are you today, Ernie? I'm doing great. How's your health? <laughs> uh, I'm going to choose to non-disclose. <laughs> All right. I'll move across the table to the man we like to refer to as the million dollar smile, Mr. Incredible, JD Hill. How are you, JD? Uh, I'm going to under HIPAA, not disclose that either. Uh, I identify as a healthy person. <laughs> you identify as a healthy person. <laughs> I like that. That's that. Can we? Do you think that would work? Whenever we sat down with the uh, paramed person, they said, "Let me ask you some questions." Well, <laughs> let me first let you know. I identify with the LT person. I identify as a 175 pound, <laughs> six foot four person. <laughs> Anything you say to the contrary, I'm going to take as um, a problematic issue for you. That's I'm going right. to have to bring it up with your company. That's right. All right, JD. Your, your thoughts, you have conversations with people in our audience all the time. And, and this question comes up, how can I buy insurance on people that, that work for me or maybe business partners that I have? Tell me a little bit about how you handle that question. Um, well, I mean, I, it's a, it's a wonderful question because again, it, it, it lets me know that we're thinking uh, strategically, right? We're thinking outside the box. We're not thinking just about ourselves. Um, you know, and we're thinking, how can we, really began to start expanding our systems from a personal level to a business level, uh, which, which again, is a really fun conversation because I, I like, you know, I think we oftentimes um, don't consider that the I, right? And infinite banking is infinite, right? In other words, like whatever you can conceive in your mind is, is possible. And so using policies on business or business owners, co-business owners or, or key employees is a wonderful strategy to be able to start trying to, create additional, it, say for example, like my, my death benefit is, uh, he's struggling right now, right? Uh, is, is, is I'm capped out on my human life value, but I have extra dollars. This becomes another place to be able to take out additional IBC policies for. Yeah. Good no, point. Yeah, absolutely. Earn, what do you think? What's the question? <laughs> the question is you get, um, many questions. I, here, here's one. I'm going to throw a question at you. How do you convince a business partner to get a health assessment, right? Like I, I, I have a business. I want to try to get Joey uh, insured, but how do I convince Joey this is a good thing for him? Mm. Do I get any pushback? How do you answer that? There can be pushback and it's let's make sure we get to the why before the what. Mm. You want to you wanna buy a life insurance policy on me? Yeah. And you can, there, I mean, if the insurance company is going to agree to this, obviously there's a good reason to do it. And sharing that reason. And oftentimes, if you're buying on a business partner, you can position it that you're, we're both really important to the success of this company. And if something were to happen to me, if something were to happen to you, I'm going to want to make sure that, that we're able to replace your value in this company. Hmm. I, I can see that. Joey, obviously, you and I have done this personally. Yep. And, and there's been people that you've bought insurance policies on 
that were not family members. How, how did you answer that question for them? How did I answer what question for them? Uh, convincing them basically, why is it that you need to buy insurance on them? Well, I, I like what Ernie said is that the why is much bigger than the what. If you solve for the biggest issue that businesses face, that is, hey, we need to have, and I'll, I'll say one of the main ones that we solve for is people that have a bunch of cash just sitting in their their reserves of their business. Can, can we go specific though? Like use this and apply it to something you've actually done. That I've actually done? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't remember all the specific numbers. I'll, I'll just say in general, we keep all, we keep a fair amount of money in retained earnings or in our operational account, right? But in that money is sitting debt if we're not having it at work. And so once you learn about infinite banking, which we've talked about here every single week, you know that those dollars could be earning and being used at the same time. So once you start seeing that, the opportunity cost of those business funds sitting in reserves, sitting in, and, and but quite frankly, we talk to business owners that have hundreds of thousands in those retained earnings. Uh, okay. If it's okay, I'm going to be combative here with you. Um, you're not answering my question. What I want to know the answer to is how did you convince someone to allow you to buy an insurance policy on them? What was the conversation you had? I get why you wanted to do it. Is that what you went and told them? Hey, look, I got money sitting in, in checking accounts. I want it to earn more money. I want it to do five jobs. Get an insurance policy, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. That's not what you did. What did you do? How well, did, when it's between you and me, yes, absolutely. We we solved this together. That's what I'm trying to say. You didn't have you to convince, solve this together. Yeah, you didn't have to convince me. I knew why you wanted an insurance policy on me. I, I was actually thinking, I'm going to win in this arrangement. <laughs> What's that supposed to be? <laughs> no, but we've bought insurance policies on numerous people. I think we counted up the other day. We own insurance policies on 10 different lives outside of our families. Well, so that's a great point. That's a great point. So the conversation we had on our, um, on one of our passive income businesses was, look, these three people involved in this business without them, we have no business. Okay. And we told them, look, we're willing to do this business with you if we can go ahead and do an insurance policy on you. So if you want to be in partnership with us, this is how our partnership works. Exactly. We are going to make sure that uh, we're going to protect our investment and you are the investment. By the way, has a bank ever said that before? Absolutely, they do. 100%. So it, when you're thinking like the bank, you're acting like the bank. This is why we just follow the same script. Think about this. When have you ever bought a house, right? Went, took out a mortgage and said, by the way, I'm not going to get any insurance on it. They're like, no. How, how about when I, when I go buy a car and I'm using the bank's money or uh, the dealership's money to do it, what's the first question they ask you? We got to have insurance in our name. Yeah, exactly. Right. So why would we ever get into business with an individual without buying insurance on them? To me, it's natural when you think that way. But I think the, the common thought is, oh, that seems unnatural. What happens when you in your business relationship? Well, I can tell you about an example of what happens. You keep the insurance policy. It goes with you. Right. Because here's the thing is that we own an insurance policy on someone who used to work in my wife's dental practice. 
And we we bought that insurance policy on them as a key employee. Okay, talk about that process because it's a little bit different than when you're just buying it on them when they literally run the entire business. The, your conversation with them was a little bit different. Well, so here's how I did that, right? Because I said, look, you know, we we have a mutual goal here to be as successful as possible together, have a long-term relationship. Well, I want to figure out ways that we can add value to you as we work together. One of the things I think we can do together is we can buy an insurance policy on your life. And um, along the way, we're going to give you um, the ability to have access to that death benefit in the event you were to die over a certain period of time. And I want to create some goals between us. So that way, if you continue to work to strive to, to grow my business, to help us uh, achieve the goals that we, we have in, um, in mind, I would like to give you a reward for doing that. So at a period of time, maybe 10 years down the road, here's what that would look like. And I'm going to write a check to you. Um, and it's going to actually come out of the money I'm putting away into this account as just a savings tool. Now, you want to know that the business is going to be in good shape, don't you? Don't you want to know that I'm not going to go out of business? Well, I want to let you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this money that I'm putting in here aside for you in the future, and I'm going to make sure I invest heavily in our business over the next 10 years so that we never run out of money. And so I'm going to use it to buy new technology. I may even have to use it to invest in new people to help us. And that money is going to come back tenfold. And that's going to continue to grow our business. And that's the money in the pile, which I'm going to have to give you. Now, here's the thing is that in 10 years, if our business fails, because neither one of us do a really good job, there's not going to be any money there for either one of us. I don't think either one of us are interested in that. So I want us to have a common goal of making sure our business is successful. And I'm going to take care of you and your family. So Everybody buys insurance on themselves. Here, here's a percentage of this insurance policy that you don't have to pay for. Now, the rest of this equation is over in 10 years, I'm going to give you a reward for helping me grow it. Like and that's how we do it. Absolutely. And so she or he was really excited about this going through the process of getting a policy because there was something in it for them. Well, we use that word. I, I really hate the word policy, to be honest with you. I, I feel like that is such an inappropriate word for what we do with stuff is we are solving problems and the life insurance policy is a small thing in there. What is that person interested in? They don't care about a life insurance policy. That's just a bunch of pieces of paper that's glued or stapled together. And well, I guess the old days now they don't even do that. Right. They just send it to you in an email. Yeah. Right. That, that means nothing. What is it that they want? It's the promise in which it brings. And so what we're telling our, our key employees is what we're promising to give them as a result of them partnering with us in this. And part of the thing is, is that we want to protect you and the asset. Hey, by the way, in the event that you were to die before you got to the end of the 10 years, I'm going to write a check to your spouse for the amount that I was going to give you at the end of 10 years. How does that sound? So that's huge. That's guaranteed right there, right? And here's how I'm going to be able to do that because there's no other way I could do it, right? you imagine somebody being able to write a check if they didn't meet that criteria? No, we, this is what a life insurance policy was built to do. In the event of a certain specific situation, it pays out, right? So when we talk about buying insurance policies on business partners or key employees, there are other reasons. I mean, I think our title says to maximize return. JD, what does that mean? Like, how does someone maximize their return? by using an insurance policy and buying it on someone else's life? Well, I mean, one is, God forbid something happens, 
right? There's this death benefit that immediately comes into, into play um, to either self-complete part of the business and help it retain um, opportunities for making sure, you know, so, so for example, um, me and my business partner, if he dies, that's a massive hole in our business because he takes care of certain things that I cannot take care of. And the only way that I'd be able to offset that would be to take time away from what I do now and go get into the business that he's doing that I'm not good at. Well, that death benefit coming in would give me the resource necessary to go find really good talent to try to replace them so that we don't miss a beat in our business and we don't have a massive dip down and we can't now keep moving forward with the business and maintain valuation and those types of things. So that's one way that it can help maximize returns is by making sure the business has cash and capital at a point in time when it needs it the most. Okay. I've heard enough about infinite banking. I'm pretty sure it's a fit for me and my family, Russ. How do I get started? Let's take that pretty sure and make it darn sure. The reason you do that is that you get clarity, Joe. You need to get on a 15-minute call with one of our coaches at westwellwallstreet.com forward slash free call. Then you'll know where you're starting from and where you're headed. And only then can you implement the infinite banking process. All right. So go to wealthwaltwallstreet.com forward slash free call to get that 15-minute conversation, gain clarity. But now let's jump back into today's episode. So Russ, you and I right now are working with, with someone who's working on buying out someone's ownership in, a, in his business. Right. He's going to acquire ownership in this and, and buy this guy out. And the opportunity of just thinking like a business owner has put him in a position where he's going in and spreading out that buyout over a period of time. And that has opened the opportunity for him to buy an insurance policy on this guy. So what the first way it's going to increase his rate of return is he's not going to have to give up all that cash immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's going to enable him to take that cash that he hasn't given up now and go put that to work in the business or elsewhere. And that's going to increase the rate of return. The way that this is going to be positioned as we're talking about this and back to the point of being able to, to pay out. If something happened to this guy and he has passed away, the approach is, this is going to allow us to do these things. This is going to make the deal happen. But if something were to happen to you and I owe you all this money, it's going to be a, it's going to make me able immediately to be able to pay off your wife. And that's going to be a great thing if that were to happen. Well, well, hold on. Let's, let's talk about that for a second, because you can't downplay the fact that in a business partnership, the actual um, ownership of that company is split in some way, shape or form percentage wise between the partners. And if that partner is no longer there, that void is filled with someone's spouse. Right. So when we're talking about ROI here, I also want to talk about it from the standpoint of the, the loss of one, having a key person business partner that is potentially lost in the event of a death. But then secondly, if it hasn't been properly planned out, like what we're talking about right now, now there's a way more strife that gets in, <laughs> brought into the situation, right? How are we going to pay out this spouse if that spouse has nothing to do with this business or maybe their, their skill set is nothing like their husband or wife that is now having to fill that void? That adds a ton of stress on that, on that spouse and the additional partners. So I, I feel like that's an unseen kind of return on investment or loss of opportunity on investment. No, that's a great point. And here's the thing is you're listening to this and maybe you don't run a typical business, 
But if you're getting into land flipping, if you're getting into short-term rental businesses and long-term rental business, you're on an e-commerce, you are getting into partnerships, most likely. And as you're going through and you're using your investor DNA, you sometimes will definitely be getting into partnerships with somebody. Like if I were to get into an e-commerce business, if I wanted to try to start up an Amazon space business, I know that I would not be good at 99% of the details, right? There's too many things in there. So the only way I'd get into that business <laughs> is if I had a partner. Well, Joey, you and I were making an offer to buy an Amazon-based business, right? Absolutely. One of the stipulations that we put in the contract was what? Got to buy a policy on the on the current owner operator. The person who is going to be operating the business would absolutely have to be insurable because that then would protect our investment. Because if that person dies, we need the ability to exactly what JD said to be able to write a check to somebody else and convince them to come work for us instead. Hundred percent. Because otherwise, what would happen to our investment? Oh, it's gone. It would sink like a hundred unicorns. Oh, oh, gosh. That, that that burns right there. That that. That, that got me. Well, I mean, that, to me, this is the thing for us is that there's so many different ways to apply infinite banking, right? You talked about return on investment. Yes. As business owners, what's the alternative? And I think you hit on it. I'm just going to retouch on it is that we would then just keep the money sitting in cash waiting for the, the next investment purchase that we're going to make or waiting for the next big need that the business would have. We don't want to distribute this money out to each other right now because we know we're about to have a large expense. Well, what does that do over time? That costs lots of money to have cash just sitting there idly. Super expensive. Well, but at the same time, we may identify that, yeah, we probably do need insurance policies on each other because Joey, as much as your wife loves me and I, uh, and you love my wife, I don't think we want to be in partnership with them. Right? No. So we need a way to buy each other out. Well, most people do that with term insurance, but they have this term insurance policy. Then they have this bucket of money over here, sitting off the side, waiting for a rainy day need. Then you have this bucket of money over here waiting for another thing. We're like, well, why can't we get our dollar to do multiple jobs? Isn't that a more efficient process? Well, that's going to be exactly what we're talking about, increasing the return on investment of that business. Uh, in fact, I even point back to that Amazon business we were looking at. We started looking at all the numbers and we saw that they did not put a value on the capital of the business. Okay. It, it, we're not going to get into all the details of economic value added. I know that's Russ's like favorite topic. Uh, it's, so go it's, back and listen to him rant on that. But the point is, is when you don't put a value on the capital that the business uses, you're constantly leaving money on the table and or making bad decisions. And so when we looked at this uh, e-commerce business, we're like, wait a minute, we would have to have a policy on this operator and that would solve the issue of being able to put all this re retained earnings and the operational funds to work and subsequently be able to put value on the cost of that capital. So there's multiple things that we would check the box on by having uh, this, this owner operator in, insured. All right. As we start to wrap up here, I do want to hit some of those challenges because if you, if this fits you, like um, right now you have a business owner, you have a key employee and you're thinking, man, I really need to think about that. I hadn't considered that fact, right? Just, just going along my, my day. But now that you make, make light of this, I probably need to do it. What are some of those key uh, obstacles or things that they need to know before they start down that process? 
You got one, JD, you'd like to share? Um, I, I think it just, it's value, right? The, the biggest thing for me, and, and I always go back to this and I, I say this a lot is, is uh, like, um, dollars follow value, right? Wealth creation follows value creation. And I think to the extent that you create value in a business or an organization, right. Means that then you are worthy then of having some measure of wealth or some, something like that attached to you. So does the person you're considering create significant value to your business? Uh, and that, so for me, that would be the first thing is, is what, what measure of value does that person bring to the business? And then it, can you quantify it enough to where, wow, if I lost this person, I would need some, some sort of capital to help me replace that person. Well, can, can I add something to that too? Before I, I want to get Ernie's take on this as well. That's a great reminder. If you are a business owner, do you have a buy sell agreement? Mm. And do, it does that buy sell agreement have a way to, uh, third party objectively put a value on the business so that if a point comes where you need to evaluate or put a value on the business, it's already been calculated a, ahead of time. A formula. Yeah. Right. There's a formula that says, you know, this is how we came up with the value so that two years from now, five years from now, you don't have to keep updating every single month or year. It literally. Think about that. What you're saying, because wall street tells us what, um, that we should accumulate to some number. Nobody knows what the number is, right? When is the number important? Is The number changes the older that I am or the younger that I am. Well, if you just placed a, oh, our business is worth a million dollars or $50 million today, well, is it worth that 15 years from now? No. Maybe so, maybe not. Maybe worth half of that, right? We know businesses are worth a third of that or three times as much. So you better have a formula. Since the reason that we say financial freedom uh, there's a formula to calculate it. We think that when you're applying it to this, you should have a formula. Ernie, think of, talk about some of the challenges somebody may face when they're trying to get an employee or a business partner um, an insurance policy on their life. This comes up every single time. I don't know if this person is going to agree to a medical exam. Mm -hmm. And I think that question is probably one of three or four or five questions that really would follow behind that, which is, I don't think this person is going to be cool with me figuring out all their personal details. Right. right. And so I think it's just what I agree totally with JD. We got to start with what value is there in the business? What's the need and how does this solve for that? But then past that setting proper expectations with the person that you're wanting to buy the policy on, this is what it's going to take is application, medical exam, maybe some doctor's records. And just so you know, those things, those results are not coming to me as a partner or as a business owner that's confidential between you and the insurance company. Right. So if and, you, if you're puff puffing on the giggly smoke, they're not going to necessarily know that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. That's a concern for somebody out there. I'm not saying Joey, but Trust I mean, me. it's a concern, you know, the whole time Russ was getting his done. I had my fingers crossed. Like, please <laughs> Lord, don't let him find me. you. Just like, you were just wondering how many speed tickets have I had? Is that going to be the thing that keeps, <laughs> keeps them from insuring me? We just trying to make sure your favorite movie wasn't puff the magic dragon. That's all. <laughs> well, I would say one last thing, cause Joey and I have been dealing this lately is having to quantify the amount of insurance because some people they don't think this way but if you stick around as long enough and you you start doing this you start trying to find a place for cash because you realize cash is super expensive and so as many places you can put cash you want to do it 
Well, when we go to insure somebody, we're not looking to put a little bit, little money in the deal. We're, we're looking to put a lot of money in the deal, right? And what we get, we end up butting up against, and we've seen this of late, is the insurance company's like, now, why do you want $4 million of insurance on this individual? You said they make 40000 a year? Like, don't worry about that. Yeah, th those are unnecessary questions on the writer. <laughs> why are you why are you concerned about this? He's good for it. <laughs> he's good for it. <laughs> he's he's fine. Look at him. No, not that picture, the other one. But I mean the, the, that ended up being a challenge, right? Um if you're buying insurance and you're trying to put a lot of cash into it, even though we're not buying a big death benefit, we actually try to get the smallest death benefit possible. We're like, you lower the death benefit, but let me still put that same amount of cash in it. I don't care. I don't care what the death benefit is. I only you win. Let me put this money in. You decide the death benefit. How about that? <laughs> That's right. That's the one thing that we butt up against. Any other things you can think of that uh, we get questioned on? No, I, I think it's just, it's good as we wrap up, just think about this in these buckets. If you are a business owner with partners, you got to solve for that, right? The buy, sell kind of bucket, if you will. And you can do that with term insurance, as, as Russ mentioned, but you can get so much more efficient uh, uh, process by having policies on each other, IBC wise, and then using it to build the business. And the second bucket I would think of is key employees how to incentivize them to help you grow the business and subsequently um, have that dollar doing multiple jobs again. Those are the two ways in which you're, you're buying policies in this nature, and both are going to be huge for maximizing return on your investment. All right, before we wrap up, okay, J.D., again, how healthy are you? Um, well, per HIPAA, I, I don't have to disclose that. <laughs> Final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. I, I, this is often such an under, I think, thought of and, and utilized uh, idea of a, as a way to implement IBC. We tend to look at this very linear and straightforward as buy, sell, term insurance, move on, yeah. right? But not as a means to really be able to implement IBC into this actual strategy and this planning. Um, and so, I, I think um, my final thoughts are: is you know, when you when you have a business. Not everything has to be so transactional where you know this is the only solution. Let's just move on. But let's look at this from a more global perspective and how creative can we really be to maximize our dollars, maximize our business, and really help enhance what we're doing. Now, you make a great point. I think so often the majority of the buy-sell agreements that exist between business partners are very stale. Any, even yeah. if they used a permanent life insurance policy, the dollars are never being moved. And I think of an example uh, of some clients that we had that they used this over and over and over again to buy lots. They were builders and, and they were able to take advantage of opportunities because they had access to cash. Well, we said number one reason people are not financially free. They don't have access to cash. And this group did an amazing job of it. So good that they end up getting bought by a major, major corporation and, and did really well uh, as a result of that. And you're right, Jetty. You just kind of find ways to use the cash. This isn't the typical financial tool that most cookie cutter advisors are telling you about. Applying IBC to this thing makes it that much more sexy. Earn. Yeah, uh, would, would you would you would you say that again, real quick? What you said. You're right. I think is what you said. Can you say it again, JD? If I haven't <laughs> told you you're right today, you're right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Earn. Have we convinced you yet to buy uh, to let us buy another insurance policy? Well, I remember. I remember when that you guys brought this to me like three years ago. I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> why, why was that? 
I just wasn't, I, well, I was figuring out this is, this impacts my insurability and I was very interested in using up, I was very interested in using up my own insurability. Thinking, hey. Well, you, you brought up a good point in uh, that this does count towards someone's insurability, right? And now for the average person, they, they will never reach that limit. Uh, but if they hang around us long enough, they'll start reaching that limit because there is a limit to how much insurance the insurance company will give you. And, um, I, I'm with you. I understand that, but don't let it count. We, we're, yeah, before you we're teach guys. your employees about IBC, go ahead and get them. Here's my thoughts on it. The person who's thinking about doing something like this is implementing IBC in their own world. Yeah. And, and having buy sell super important operating your business to its highest degree possible. That's your best investment. So you, you should do that and have the proper protection in place, but be implementing IBC in in the logical way, which is let's, let's cover the family and then let's cover everybody else. So yeah. we're building a, again, a system of policies. And here's just another way to, to apply that one lever, one level deeper into a business. No doubt. Stallion, any final thoughts of wisdom? Nope. I'm all out. Uh, I thought so. Well, this has been a great episode. I've had a lot of fun. I know we missed uh, Mark today, but um, maybe is he getting an exam? Done? <laughs> I'm going to say, <laughs> text him right now and let him know the examiner's on the way. <laughs> we all agreed to it during this interview, and uh, he just didn't get a vote. Well, thank you, as always, for listening to this episode. If you know someone who's a business owner who, who invests in a lot of different things, maybe you have partners, that this would be something interesting for them to learn, please share it with them. Give us a review. Go out there and rate that because that's how people who don't have friends like you find the show is by finding the, the top rated uh, podcasts out there. We love listening. I love that you listen to us every single week. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.